Good morning, my fellow Sith brothers and sisters. Purebloods, cultists, bounty hunters, rebel scum on the run. But most importantly, my fellow Star Wars fans. Trying something a little different this week. My... Work schedule has been very inconsistent. I've had worked over late last night. Going to be going in early this morning to get a really big job that came through yesterday done. And just lately when I've come home at night, I have not really had energy to record, let, let alone do any reading. So... I have nothing new on the purchase front, although something was, they did a peekaboo tease in the last week. Funko Pop did a big virtual con announcement that is going to be this weekend. Of course, those of you going to New York City Comic Con, please let me know how that goes. I know at least one or two of you listening are probably, Probably going to that. Definitely look forward to seeing and hearing about your adventures there. Um, Loungefly is coming out with another Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren little mini backpack. Of course, that takes me back to my middle school days and my high school days back where mini backpacks were a thing. Um, I feel like I like the other Kylo Ren backpack that came out a couple years ago or within the last couple years that just has Kylo Ren. I feel like I, if, if I were to spend the money on something like that, I feel like I would go after that one just because I have mixed feelings about the Knights of Ren in episode nine. Although I do like on this book bag, they do have the cracked helmet. So I don't know. This will be the first backpack that I'm actually catching before it actually gets released. The other Kylo one I didn't find out about until after it was released. And, of course, the only way you can get a hold of it is probably pay double, triple the price through a private seller. And I'm not going to spend that kind of money on something if I'm not actually going to utilize it. But I just, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I'll have to keep you guys posted if I decide to make the plunge. But that's coming out this weekend. I believe it's Sunday, sometimes Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Because I, I remember I saved the email alert and it's like 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time if I'm not mistaken. So, more to follow on that. We are roughly 48 hours or so from my C3PO tattoo. So, also more to look forward to next week. I'm really curious to see what Ethan comes up with. Not entirely sure how big or small he's going to go, but 
Considering he's a big fan, knowing my luck, he'll probably talk me into doing something bigger than I planned. So, we'll be adding that to the lineup for stuff before our book review next week. So, without further ado, we are actually just going to jump right into book review because we're going to be reviewing Fatal Alliance for quite a while because... I don't know if you remember I had mentioned when I was trying to read this damn thing. This book is the larger of the core four Old Republic books. I felt like I was reading this book forever. Once things start to unfold, it's not too bad. Like I said, I didn't really like the ending. There's 49 chapters prologue and an epilogue so if I break it up like I have the last couple of books we've reviewed we'll definitely be here for a few weeks reviewing this book so without further ado we're gonna jump right in here prologue is titled wild space and I will admit the prologue doesn't really make a whole lot of sense until stuff starts to unfold. They name drop some characters and a couple ships, so I'm going to do my best to break it down without giving anything away later on. We meet up with a smuggler. My apologies, I have not had coffee yet. Smuggler. That's a new one. Um, <laughs> Smuggler. Jet Nebula. Something about a mutiny and the ship a rig of fire. Jet hired this guy, Shin Kuo, who works for the Huts, to be his first mate. And to help him track down this ship. Jet has a droid named Clunker aboard and they hailed down this ship. You're not sure at first if they're going to rob it or not. It just like I said the 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 way all this comes about, I I had put in my notes if uh with they're about to rob with a question mark. He comes over to this ship and they reply back that they're on a diplomatic mission and they do not wish to be boarded. Two men, a part of Shin Kuo's crew, Feck and Gless, are ready to board this ship that they've tracked down. A cruiser by the name of Cinzia. Remember that name because that's going to be all you hear about for quite a while. There is mention of the Treaty of Coruscant. 
Jet senses Shin Kuo's greed and they get into an argument. The Sinzia gets blown up somehow. You're not entirely sure who's to blame at first. Because there's a lot going on aboard the Auriga fire. Shin Kuo and Jet stop fighting and realize that the Sinzia blew itself up. They tractor beam through what's left of the ship to see exactly what they were carrying that caused them to take their own lives. Chapter 1, titled Part 1, also titled Vested Interests. We meet a Jedi apprentice, Shigar Konshi, who has blue chevrons on his cheeks. He's roughly 18 years old. He's got a green lightsaber. And his master is Nikhil Nobil. He recently went in front of the Jedi Council and was deemed not ready for the Jedi Trials because his training is incomplete and he lacks political discipline, meaning a lack of neutrality or tactfulness. Grandmaster at the time here is Satil Shan. There is chatter about Coruscant being given back to the Republic for territorial concessions because supply lines are still strained. Satil thinks highly of Shigar. But the council always defers to her judgment on final decisions. She tells him to go take a walk and that they'll meet up later. The new Jedi Council home for the time being is on a place called Tython. Shigar's out on this walk on Coruscant. Comes across a shootout going on in an alleyway involving a droid with red eyes. Shigar goes to investigate because he hears screaming going on. A woman by the name of Laren Moxla, remember that name, is protecting the residents from Black Sun gangsters. She is happens to be carrying a illegal weapon. 
a modified snub rifle, which is, of course, illegal on Coruscant, except if you're part of the elite special forces commandos. This shootout is apparently going on outside of a supposed safe house of theirs. The Black Sun Gangsters. Sounds of multiple weapons coming from inside. A male Mandalorian appears. Happens, this male Mandalorian is seeking information on a woman by the name of Alima Zandrit. Remember that name too. The male Mandalorian uses a flamethrower on Laren. And... Shigar, who happens to also be a male Kifu Jedi. Which, for those of you keeping track, if you're if I'm not mistaken, that happens to also be Quinlan Voss's kind. Pretty sure Quinlan Voss was a Kifu as well. So Shigar Comes about this shootout trying to halt things. Apparently, Laren Moxla is also a Kifu native. They both now take fire from the male Mandalorian and he gets away. They decide to go inside and investigate the Black Sun holdup together. A single survivor amongst the wreckage who tells Lima and Shigar that a Dow Striver wanted something they had. The Cinzia, which we heard about in the prologue, and they would not give it up. This lone survivor ends up dying. Shigar and Laren exchange pleasantries and basically chalk this up to bad choices don't make bad people. Shigar decides he's going to go to his master, Nikhil. And let him know about the incident with this male Mandalorian. Neither him nor Laren at the time. Recognize the names Lima, Zandrit, Dow Striver, or anything about the ship Cinzia. Chapter 2.
we meet the Sith delegation of this story. <laughs> A Sith apprentice by the name of Elden Axe, who is on her way to Droman Koss, happens to also be injured. Her master, Darth Kratos, Let's see. Supposedly, Eldon's had a perfect record up till now. Vows she will kill Dow Striver. She is debriefed by our master while he's in his meditation chamber, which the description of it was really intriguing. It's described as a sarcophagus, one hour inside, it's a morning routine, she says that the mission did not go well, she tells him that a male Mandalorian, aka Dow Striver, who we now link from the shootout that we just talked about. Got the best of her. Interrogated her but left her alive. Naturally Darth Kratos is displeased by this. We learn a little bit about his track record. Apparently one in three survived training with him. She was asked about Lima Zandrit and the Cinzia, which mean nothing to her at the time. But apparently her master, Kratos, knows of this. They travel to a data, data terminal and Kratos puts in Lima's name into the Sith database. This recruitment database is protected because it contains information on potential candidates, bloodlines, and a bunch of important information. Lima's profile pops up, but interestingly enough, it's listed as termination ordered target absconded meaning she was one of them at some point and became a traitor afterwards we get a little bit more black excuse me a little bit more backstory on Lima Apparently, there's nothing special about her bloodline. However, she had a child with potential to be a Sith. Let me repeat that because that's going to be very important later on. There is nothing special about Lima's bloodline. However, she had a child with great potential to be a Sith. 
She tries to hide this child because she feared it wouldn't survive training. The child gets taken anyways. So she runs away with the rest of any family. Nothing has been seen or heard from her since until now. You start to see a little bit of connection with the dots because Axe's family tried to hide her at first, too. Darth Kratos drops the bomb, a.k.a. the truth. Lima is, in fact, Eldon Axe's real mother. <laughs> I don't know why... We went through all that story and all this headache only for him to turn right around and reveal it. You thought he would have milked it for a little more. But anyways. So you've got people looking for Eldon's real mother who apparently has not been seen or heard from in a very long time. Darth Kratos reaches out to the Minister of Intelligence while Eldin contemplates all of this new information. She had always assumed that her family had been killed, however, feels completely indifferent about this new revelation about who Lima is. Darth Kratos wants her to think and see if she remembers anything about her mother so he can present this to the Dark Council in roughly 10 hours. Apparently, she had some kind of mental block or some kind of block put on her so that way she couldn't remember her past. So apparently that's been removed so that it can help her remember. Apparently whatever Lima got into is important to the Mandalorians. Therefore the Empire needs to get involved as well. And to add a, com a further complication to the story, the Huts are trying to auction off something they claim they got aboard the now doomed ship Cinzia. Chapter 3. An Imperial informer for the Senate unofficially and the assistant to the Supreme Commander, Stantor, we meet a guy by the name of Ula V, or I should say, He's not a human, but it's kind of hard to describe him here at first. Grandmaster Shatil Shan requested an audience with the Supreme Commander. And that's how V hears about the Cinzia as well. In charge of restoring security on Coruscant, Satil mentions two stand tours. That the loose bounty hunter is a Mandalorian. 
He thinks it's the same Mandalorian. Which, hold on. He thinks back to the blockade of the Hydean Way 10 years ago. That almost destroyed the Republic. Not sure if Dow played a role in that, but apparently Stan Tours is feeling reminiscent. Whatever. Anyways. Satil mentions Dow Striver's name in that Dow is apparently looking for Lima and the Cinzia. Which Stantors only seems to know of the Cinzia here at the moment. He doesn't have time to investigate this himself. So he has Ula V look into all this for him. Ula gets a little upset because pulling him away to go on this little investigation will remove him from Stantor's company and valuable information. Which, don't forget here, Ula is, for the lack of a better term, a double agent here. He is assisting the Supreme Commander, but he happens to also be an Imperial Informer. Of course, nobody knows about this. Or at least not yet, anyways. So, Ula gets put on this fact-finding mission for Stan Tours. He goes to SIS, which is short for Strategic Information Systems. And gets asked why he's there. According to the information, that hold on. According to the information, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, a, a secretary pulls up on a data pad. Dow Striver landed on Coruscant two days prior. And left earlier that day aboard a ship called the First Blood. With the destination unknown. There is no info listed on Lima Zandrit. However, there are three data hits on the Cinzia. Two senators and an allied spy network. All the reports about the Hut's upcoming auction with the Cinzia piece. Unable to connect all the dots yet, he requests an appointment with the office in which one of the two senators mentioned in these reports, who happens to be from Bimisari. They meet over lunch, him and this senator from Bimisari. 
his contact by the name of Ahunet Elbeck says his senator, so Ula is not actually meeting physically with the senator. He's meeting a contact in the senator's office, the senator from Bimisari. My apologies. It's not my intention. Like I said, this book jumps all over, so it's a little confusing. He's meeting up over lunch with this contact from the senator's office and receives a message from Tassa Baresh, who is the matriarch of her own cartel. They keep an eye on her because of her close ties to the Empire. Plus, they're adjacent to Hut Space. Hunit tells Ula that she was trying to interest them in something one of her pirates found beyond the Outer Rim, but would not say what it was. Multiple message later, the senator from Bimisari apparently got interested. The Huts found a ship, Cinzia, with an artifact aboard. However, the most lucrative info is where it came from. The Huts are selling this information to the highest bidder in a few days. Hunet will not tell V where this auction is. Because he's trying to get the Senate interested in the bid. Apparently the only thing that has been divulged. Is that the Cinzia's origin. Is a previously unknown world ripe for picking. Hunit asks for help. With putting the bug. In Supreme Chancellor Generis's ear. He makes a few phone calls once he gets back home. Ula. Sorry. They didn't specify at first. One of which pings him back an hour later. A caller known as Watcher 3. Now we start getting into... His imperial informer side of his job. Watcher 3 apparently hailing from Droman Kos. Using very few words. V tells what he knows about the ship auction. Dow Striver and Lima Zandrit. The Watcher says the minister will be very interested and hangs up. Second call returns happens to be the minister of logistics, Ashula Kamar. She's aware of the intel, but because 
the world is unknown, they will not pay up or get involved. He tries, excuse me, he tries to talk her into using her position or influence to take this unknown world for the Imperials. This conversation between Shula and Ula (laughs) gets a little awkward because she rebukes him immediately because she happens to be loyal to the Emperor and... This world belongs to him. Chapter 4. We meet back up with Laren Moxla. The Kifu female who was present at the shootout earlier. We find out some backstory on her. Apparently, she was ousted from the Black Star Squad. She's been waiting for Shigar to return from his talk with Satil when she was approached by a quartet of Senate security officers, three men's and a woman. One of them... who happens to be a very drunk Zabrak, a.k.a. Darth Maul's kind, recognizes Laren as Toxic Moxla, who snitched on Sergeant Donbar. So, apparently this drunk Zabrak does not like her. We find out that Laren did snitch on her commander. Something about play acting in a costume. Overlooking Jedi Temple ruins. Left abandoned after the sacking of Coruscant. We meet up with Shigar talking to Satil, who senses a plan in motion. Gives Shigar a data pad she received from Stantors. Info on the Cinzia, Dow Striver, and the attack on Laren Moxla. Two for the price of one deal. Tasa Baresh knows this. The primary concern is the ship's origin and Stantors will pursue this. The Jedi Council's position on this is quite reverse. Whatever the ship contains 
could be an unknown Jedi or Sith artifact. Therefore, it can be considered a weapon. Make sure it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. When mentioning that it already is, meaning that Tasa Baresh already has hands on this, Satil stops him and says that his mission is to travel incognito to mask Jedi interest in this sale. He's to travel to Tasa Baresh's place, discover whatever information on the ship and its contents, and report back. He's apparently leaving for this new mission tonight. After his failure earlier that morning in front of the Jedi Council, Shigar has a lot of doubts about being the right fit for this kind of mission. However, Satil assures him that this is his path. His face is unknown to those on Hutta, therefore it'll be easier for him to get around. In terms of Shigar worrying about what's going on locally, poverty, gangs, Satil says that is the authority's job and that they're doing their best. Laren finally catches up with Shigar and they talk briefly. Shigar was spotted by Master Tengrove the year before and was on Dantooine helping dig through ruins when the annexation of Kifu happened. So we're getting backstory here. Laren was there, but she was too young to remember. Her parents put her on a shuttle before the worst of it hit. They sent her to Abregdo Ray, a host family adopted her. Her parents apparently died in a prison on Kifix. Shigar's parents died from an accident on a Frisian shuttle. Nothing to do with the annexation. Shigar openly tells Laren about his mission to travel to Hutta and his business there. Laren neglects to tell him at this moment about her full background with the Special Forces and the Black Stars, but asks if he's ever been to Hutta. It doesn't take much coercion on her part for Shigar to finally suggest that she tag along with him because... She's apparently been there before and her knowledge of the area will be helpful to his mission. Shigar knows about as much 
as Laren does in what they're looking for. And says that she'll go on two conditions. Stop thinking you're doing me a favor and give me a proper meal. Finally, we hit the final chapter of our review this week. Sorry, these chapters are just, ugh, these chapters just drag. Ugh, chapter 5. Coming in at, a com- at the end of a conversation between Eldon and her master, Darth Kratos, before the Dark Council. Confirming whether or not they're attacking Hutta now. There are eight people. Hold on. Asking if Eldin and her master Darth Kratos are the right people for this mission. Darth Kratos is asked by the Dark Council what he wants and what his plan is. His plan is to get Eldin to steal the info from the huts while Kratos serrates off-world. Once he gets the location of the Cinzia's origin, he will begin its annexation. A Darth Howl admires the simplicity and the directness of Kratos' plan. However, reminds him that they do not negotiate with criminals. Another on the council says that Tassab has been useful to them in the past and warns him not to anger her. Kratos assures his apprentice is unknown to Tassabaresh and that she will be able to do this mission undetected. Another asks Kratos about his plans to annex a whole world with little resources. And Kratos comes clean by saying he needs a division to pull off his part of the plan. Now he's asking for too much. Darth Howell asks if resistance is expected in this unknown world. Kratos says yes and reveals the connection between Lima and Eldon, his apprentice. All eyes immediately move to Eldon, and she's asked about her feelings and memories about her mother. Eldon says that her lack of memory gives her no clues to the whereabouts of the fugitives, but reminds them she is reliable. Darth Howell sees her as overly confident, but does not detect that she's lying. However, she's not to be fully trusted just yet. Eldon asks to make one more point before the Dark Council, and Darth Kratos 
detects, you detect a little bit of concern here on his face. Eldon says this, that this Mandalorian Dow Striver knew about her whereabouts, her mother, etc. Whatever he knows is vital to the security of the Empire. Therefore, this implication that somehow there is a Mandalorian spy within the Imperial administration triggers a lot of whispering amongst the Dark Council. Darth Kratos is just chomping at the bit over here and Darth Howl starts to laugh. Says that Eldin's implication is preposterous. Hal says he knows Eldon's true purpose with Dow Striver. Says that it's revenge, which you don't understand why Hal says that. But he approves of Eldon being selected for this job. The one issue to be spoken of here is not necessarily who Dow got the drop on Eldin from or the new world that would help prepare for their war, but the defiance of the mother, a.k.a. Lima Zandrick. Lima stood against the Sith 15 years ago and escaped punishment. Reminds them that they need to show their strength here and that they have not forgotten about her treachery. This mission has now become a test of loyalty for Eldon than about the forgotten traitors. She understands that when the time came and if her mother is standing before her, the rightful punishment would need to be administered. And the question is, can she do it? The Dark Council agrees to give Kratos half a division with an Imperial envoy for cover only. Simply... Their role would be to assure Tassabaresh that the Emperor was not interested in her prize. The final word to Kratos and Eldon, deliver the world and you will be rewarded. Once they clear the building, Darth Kratos brandishes his red lightsaber, which this is really neat. It's concealed within a staff. That's really neat. Brandishes it towards Eldin's face and warns her never to surprise him again. So, to quickly recap, we... Witness a shootout on Coruscant. 
Laren Moxla and Shigar Conchi meet up. Shigar is being covertly sent to Huda in Tassab Baresh's place to seek out information about this Cinzia ship and whatever artifact they supposedly found aboard. We meet Darth Kratos and his Sith apprentice, Elden X, who we now discover the women the woman's name at the center of all of this, Alima Zandrit, is her mother. Apparently now her name has now become relevant because a male Mandalorian, Dow Striver, is now looking for her as well. So we've got three players involved. Question is, is when will these three paths converge? So, I hope you all enjoy this lengthy five-chapter review of the beginning of Fatal Alliance. Please, if you can, like, comment, subscribe, share, Retweet, hashtag, as always, y'all support is greatly appreciated. I look forward to next week's review as we talk about my tattoo. And we deep dive into the next five chapters of Fatal Alliance. So without further ado... I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend, and until next time, may the force be with all of you.